Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have David Edwards, who is the author of New You, Who Knew? David, how you doing? Hi, I'm great. Sounds good. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you'd like to do for fun, that'd be great. <laughs> so a little bit about myself. I'm a pretty average person, I think. And I'm going to get through the first 50 years of my life or so (laughs) very quickly. So I had a mom and a dad. We had normal problems and challenges that I think families had, divorce, drinking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, In that regard, you know, I think um, I'm not that unusual or outstanding in most regards. Um, I was the first in my family to go to college. Um, and I uh, got a bachelor's in business. And then while I was working, um, it took me a long time, but I actually got a master's in business with an emphasis in healthcare administration. And with a very brief interlude, I've worked in some type of healthcare, community health center, like integrated family practice, specialty cardiovascular care, um, elder care, I worked in Nigeria for a while, commissioning the facility over there. Um, So I've done a number of different things, but pretty much all around healthcare. Um, And so I'll jump, you know, 35 years of working. I did finally achieve my master's in business with healthcare administration focus. Um, And I was working as a CEO of a rural community health center in um central oregon north central oregon we'll call it and um we were through a lot of hard work and i'd been there about four years um we finally were in a position where we had grown enough um and we had outgrown i mean really seriously outgrown our main clinic healthcare facility and we needed to replace it. And so we had the money to do something like that, you know, to get funded, right? If you want to build something, you got to have the cash. Or you got to get somebody to trust you enough to give you the cash, right? Yep. Um, and so um, we had built a good track record. We had good systems in place. We had a good, viable, sustainable business model. Um, and, and so we were designing this new twice the size, you know, 40,000 square feet, million facility. And we had a wonderful group of people I was able to work with. A very cross-disciplinary, and I don't know if that means anything to most people. So um, we had doctors, dentists, therapists, social workers, community health workers, nurses, medical assistants. We had a very broad range of people that we drew on their wisdom, this collective wisdom to say, here's the model we've built. And the clinical model we built said, if you, Timmy, were the patient, 
you would come to our facility and we would have this conversation with you. And we would just be thrilled that you came to see us and we wanna know what you'd like some help with. And then we would identify who are the team members that might be helpful. It might be your primary care provider. It might include the dentist or a hygienist. It might include a social worker. It might include a health coach or somebody who does a course, a class. Um, it could include a broad range of individuals and skill sets. And we then assemble a team that would, we thought you and I talking together would be necessary to help you move forward. Maybe not your dream, like your podcast, I like that, but maybe you can call it a dream or you know your goal of what does health mean to you and what would you like that to look like, right? Um, and, and then we would let you know that you might see us for an hour or 30 minutes every few months, right? And on this journey. And that means that the vast majority of your life, you're not in here. Yep. And we are really nice. I mean, we are so friendly and nice and we wrap you around with this warm blanket and we want you to feel really good when you're here. But you know, you've got to live your life the rest of the time and your success and this was my first epiphany was that no matter what we did with staffing and technology and facility design and all of this stuff unless we could help you fulfill this role successfully we would dramatically limit our effectiveness and we had really great quality you had the best quality in our region and frankly we're the first healthcare facility that I ever worked at or that I've ever heard of where by focused intentional effort we had eliminated any disparities in healthcare outcomes between our minority and majority populations wow so you're a black man I assume you consider yourself a black man I do <laughs> I'm a check. white man I'm very white as most people can see Right. And so as a black man and a white man or, or a white woman and a black woman, whatever, it doesn't matter. We would have no differences if we both went into the health center and we both had diabetes. We were trying to manage it. You and I would have obviously not as individuals, but as a category of patients, we would have comparable outcomes. Gotcha. And that's really unusual in this country. And I was very proud of that. Really unusual. It wasn't me doing that, right? I was simply as a CEO, you can't do hardly anything, right? You're one person. Yep. You can stop a lot of stuff as a CEO, but you can't do a lot of stuff. You have to rely on your people that are working with you to accomplish your common purposes to get everything else done. And so it wasn't me, it was 170 odd individuals that really made this happen. But anyways, so we would have this conversation. And, and so I had this epiphany about, you know, you have to fill the role. So what does that mean, first of all, right? And we like to call you, you're the captain of the care team, right? And by extension, since these principles are universal, they apply to all of us in all domains and settings of life, at church, at work, at home, um, in your hobbies, in your physical life, your intellectual life, these, universe, these principles are universal and they cross all of them, which is a nice thing. 
because you don't have to remember well when i'm working out i have to remember this and when i'm studying i have to remember that when i'm at work i got to do this and at home i got to do that no it's all the same right it's all balanced across all of these domains and so i started studying this and what does it mean and i was really diving deep into change models does that mean anything i mean I'm going to use you as a proxy for the rest of our audience. <laughs> I put the pressure on you there. So when I say changed models, does that mean something to you or, or no? It does not. Okay. Well, that's perfect then. There's no right or wrong here. It's only where we're at. So changed models, there are various theories by much smarter people than myself. Maybe not you, but much smarter than I am who have studied how do human beings change, right? What are the conditions under which change happens? What are the psychological kind of things that go on, the physical and environmental things, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's all about change and there's two kinds of change. Can you guess what the two kinds of change are? Uh, like why people change or just the types of change? Two types of change. Generally, there's two types of change that we're thinking about. Okay uh i don't i have no clue <laughs> okay that's perfect again that's absolutely no problem so then the first kind of change is the one that we don't control right this is what happens all around us right we are having a zoom call with a video right 10 years ago that that wasn't happening um i think maybe cisco uh, you know a few people had some stuff there was some early stuff microsoft had uh Skype, I think, was one of the early versions of it. But if you go back 20 years, it simply wasn't happening. And, you know, maybe AT&T did something with mega computers and who knows what. But, you know, it just wasn't commonly available. Now it's like anybody can do this for free, literally. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing how far that technology has come. So that's change that we need to keep up with. I use the example of when I was newly married 36 years ago. My wife and I saved up our $400 to buy our first VCR. Do you know, what a, have you heard of a VCR? I have not, no, I'm just kidding, yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so VCRs, for those of you maybe a little younger, right? Um, in the old days, the way we used to watch a movie when it wasn't just on TV, it was on a, a big video cassette tape, like four inches by seven or something like that. And, and it had a tape in it, it rolled from one reel to, over to the other side. And that's what the movie was on. And you stuck it in your VCR and you pressed the play button and it played it. And then as anybody who rented those things knew, you had to rewind it to the beginning in order to watch the movie again, right? So that was really important. And whenever you rented a movie from the video store, you know, they said, please rewind your video. Cause of course they didn't want to have to do that. Anyways. So I learned how to use our VCR and I felt very smart and very with it and hip because I could program my VCR to record a television show on Tuesday night at six o'clock when I was still at work. And then we could watch it when I got home, after I got home. But that was a pretty amazing accomplishment. And that was the kind of extent of that entertainment technology. And of course today, it's completely useless. <laughs> we haven't had a VCR in 15 years, probably. Um, anyways, so we got to keep up with external change for, I think, obvious reasons. I mean, and frankly, and I, I, uh, 
I think I did a blog post on this a while back. I said, uh, I'm going to get my own quote wrong. So I'll paraphrase myself. There you go. I can give myself that liberty. It's kind of like, if you don't keep up with outward change, you become less relevant. Gotcha. Right. And you become less able to simply be free. Because if you can't keep up with just the normal ways that life operates, you're going to have to rely on other people to do the most basic things for you. And so you have grandparents whose kids have to come over and show them how to use their smartphone. And at some point, right, most of us, that's the only phone we have anymore. So if you can't use that, right, your ability just to make calls, talk to your friends, your family, to make an appointment, whatever. Um, it becomes diminished. So we need to we need to keep up with external change. So that's the first kind. And even with all of that buildup, it's not the most important. <laughs> so the most important kind of change, and that's what most of these change models we're dealing with, is the change that goes on in here. And if somebody's just listening, I'm pointing at my head. Um, you know, it's the change that we direct that who we want to become, what we want to do, how we want to think, how we want to act, how we want to speak, right? That process of changing who we are, who we are becoming is what these change models were all about. And that is fundamental to anything and everything in your life. Because the opposite, I like contrasts, right? So compare and contrast. So here's one, I am the captain of my life, not just my healthcare life and my healthcare team, which is important, especially as you get older, because I promise you, things don't get better <laughs> physically as you get older. And not that it can't be wonderful and amazing and gratifying and fun and all that stuff, but uh, um, it just doesn't get better because we're designed to break down. I'm really sorry if that's a revelation to the younger folks out there. <laughs> no, not me. Not me, not David. Me. <laughs> so, 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 but again, these principles apply across all domains. And so it's really about you being the captain and in charge of who you are changing and who you want to become. And the alternative, I got some magazines in the mail, so I'll flash this up here. There's a couple of a young couple they're in Vegas or someplace and they're out on town and they're having a good time staying at an RCI condo. And here's another one, this ladies, I don't know if you can see this, but she's out at the beach. They're having a good time there in Tahiti or Hawaii or Mexico or someplace. Or if you're in California, maybe it's boring and they're down on the beach in California. But, you know, if you're up here in the Northwest, like me, going to California is a pretty cool vacation, especially in the wintertime. So, but this is what a lot of people, if we don't take charge of our lives, what we tend to do is we adopt the priorities of whatever the advertisers, you know, want to sell us. And so if it's making a million dollars or running a successful business or going on vacation to Tahiti or in my own case, I'd rather go to Istanbul, but, um, you know, they want to sell us these things. You know, they want to sell us clothes that make us look good, perfume that makes us smell good, and whatever it is that makes us look attractive to other people, right? We're always, 
And the, what the research tells us is there's like 3,000 of these messages in an average day that we're exposed to. And if we aren't doing our own thinking, and if we aren't the captain of our life, and hopefully we'll get a chance, we'll get into the principles briefly, but the very first of them is your values. Your values create the core of your own personal motivation and your own ability to be the captain of your life. Because without a clear, explicit sense of your values, then you are subject to whatever other values other people want to impose on you because you haven't taken or exerted that captainship over your life to say, no, that's not what I'm about. That's not my priority. That's a distraction. I'm focused on something else. Anyways, so that internal process, uh, and I'm going to cut this short. So then um, I had this epiphany. About six months later, I got fired. <laughs> that happens. Uh, it's very hard when it happens to you, but I had a disagreement with my board, and I really quite lost that argument. So um, I found myself with some time on my hands. And so I really decided, I think at that point, I thought, I felt like this is really important. And we're talking about, you know, what are our dreams? And I started to study this intently. Uh, and I studied and wrote and tried to start a business which failed because two months after I started it, a little thing came up from China called <laughs> the virus. And, and my business model was built on partnering with people who frankly didn't have any time to give me because they were trying to figure out their own business model and how to make life work. Um, and so I continued to read and study and write. Um, and eventually this last year, I wrote the book and just published it in January at the end of the month. Um, and it really encapsulates these 10 principles that I felt for like a healthcare team would allow them to be the captain of the care team to fulfill that role effectively. And to my joy, um, it uh, applies to all areas of your life, all of the names that you can think of these principles are consistent and you can apply them safely and effectively and with great comfort and confidence, no matter what part of your life you are focused on. Let me see. So that's what I'm about right now. Uh, and what do I do for fun? I do this actually because I really love these things. I love being on podcasts and talking about the principles. Um, and I like to go fishing. So April 1st was the start of fishing season. I was in my float tube on that just barely ice off water, <laughs> casting my line into the cold wind for about two hours until my feet were so stinking cold that I had to just get out of there. But for me, that's still a lot of fun. The geese were flying around, nesting over in the reeds and the coots. There's like a thousand coots and they'd get up and they would fly 50 feet. I have no reason, I have no idea why, but they would get up and fly in just the cacophony of all those wing beats, you know, out in nature, sitting basically on top of this lake was quite magical and it's quite cathartic. It's therapeutic for me. And uh, I love being on the water. Yeah, there we go. Awesome, well, thanks for sharing that with us. I guess now we can hop right into your dreams and goals. Got a lot of your backstory. Uh, if you want to touch on your motivation real quick, what gets you up and keeps you going every day, um, go for it. So 
my motivation, what I strive to have as my core motivation is, is first of all, my own personal values and my own goal. So my goal, and I don't want anybody to get turned off by this because every one of us is unique, right? We're all an individual, um, but I have faith in God and my church and my religion are very important to me. Not from a superficial kind of a way, not like, hey, I like this church, so I'm going to go there, but more like this church has challenged me and it has forced me, not like you will do this kind of forced you, but as in presenting me with ideas and principles and teachings has forced me to take stock of my life and what do I want to do with my life and what is the core purpose of my life. And so it is to prepare myself to become as good of a person as I can be and help my family and then my neighbors by extension. So everybody listening, you are my neighbors, wherever you are in the world, um, to live and become the best people that we can while we're here in this mortal life, whatever our time frame is. Um, and that's really what gets me up in the morning. And my love for God, my love for myself, and my love for my neighbors. There we go. Well, let's jump into your dreams and goals now. So my dreams and my goals. And I wrote some stuff down here, so I think that's helpful. They're over here. If I'm not looking at you, it's because I'm looking at what I wrote you. Um, I mean, right now I wrote this book and I'm trying to make a living as an author. And in my, you know, wildest dreams, my book would become as popular as Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, which has sold like 30 million copies or something. And I'm not nearly as smart or as gifted as Stephen R. Covey was, bless his heart, because he passed on several years ago now, but uh, doing what he loved and what he was passionate about, right? Um, he was riding his bicycle. So, you know, he, he said, you got to sharpen the saw every day. And for him, that included riding his bike. And he was out, got hit by a car is what I understood. Um, but he was 70 years old. He was in great shape. But anyways, um, so you never, you never know. But I don't think he had any regrets in his life because he was living his dream. He was pursuing his dream. And so if I'm half the man Stephen R. Covey was, that would mean I could sell 15 million copies of my book. For me, it's really about can I make a living at this? because the book contains these 10 principles that I discovered. I didn't create them, they are timeless, but putting them in this context and describing them in a way that is approachable for nearly every person. So this isn't like the master course, this isn't, you know, pay me $5,000 and spend a week deep diving into this. This is the introductory course. This is the, your life is busy and you got lots of stuff going on, but you feel like something could be better. And so this presents some ideas in a very simple form with a few very applicable tools, not 57, but you know, in each chapter, maybe two or three that should appeal to most anybody in almost any situation that they can grab, implement and start to make their lives better. That's really what this is about. And that's what I'm about. So I'm about beginnings. I'm about foundations and helping people create those foundations that make their lives better. 
And that's my dream that I could help people to do that. And I actually got a review from a woman in England who bought the book. And it was just, I don't know that I have it in front of me, but it was so beautiful. It was so motivating, right? Given my purpose. Because yep. she basically said, uh, I'll paraphrase again, sorry. Um, you know, um, the last two years for her had, been, her had been very hard. She was very impacted by the COVID. And in England, you know, they had just like here, ups and downs, lots of people died, lots of people were affected, lots of jobs were negatively affected. Um, and evidently it had a real hard time kind of getting through that. And in the book, she found these ideas and these tools that she could apply consistent with the principles that help her become a person that was gonna rise above. And it filled her with hope. And, and that's basically what she said. And it was, you know, for an author or somebody who's trying to help other people, um, like I think you do, Timmy, um, you know, when you get that kind of feedback, it's just like, well, I only sold five books last week. Uh, you know, we're going to be on, a, we're going to be working at the Home Depot pretty soon. Um, you know, it's really rewarding and motivating to get that kind of feedback. Now, yeah. I love feedback that isn't that positive as well, frankly. So I got some from a guy. He said, Dave, you know, chapter six is confusing for me. And when I can get something specific, I love that because that's going to help me improve how I describe it and how I might, you know, update future versions. So I love any kind of feedback, but that positive stuff is really extra special. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. So trying to make a living as an author, are there any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? Well, this is a little more selfish perhaps, but because I don't know this will ever happen because my wife isn't that interested in it. And so um, when you've been married for 36 years, you know, you've got to give and take. So I may never make it there, but maybe someday I would love to go to Istanbul. Um, one of my, I love history. So one of my history books I read, it was called The Fourth Crusade. And it was all about this crusade. They'd gotten all the money together and they got all the armies together and all the ships. And they left from Italy and they headed out. Was it Italy or Southern France? Now I'm forgetting the details, but they headed off to the Holy Land, right? Because we're going to take back the Holy Land from those heathens. And, and, and so they, they got, you know, halfway there and they got distracted, I'll just put it that way. And they ended up taking their ships into Constantinople, oh. which is in modern day Turkey. And really, you know, if you look at a map of the world, you've got Europe over here, which narrows down to this tiny little place and Asia over here that narrows down. And right in the middle where all that stuff is narrow and meets is Constantinople. Um, and What's it called today? It's not called Constantinople anymore. Istanbul, where I just, yeah. So it's Istanbul in modern day Turkey. And um, so they were there. Now, these guys were all Catholics, right? Because Catholics was the Christian church in Europe um, until some others came up, but then they killed each other off and finally decided to live together. And that's a good thing. But uh, the other Christian church, it was kind of the original, right, who claims the same rights from, you know, we descended from Peter in the New Testament, and we are the Church of Christ, was the Greek Orthodox Church. 
that was the other big Christian denomination. So these guys, Catholics coming over, they get distracted because there's gold and they were running short on that stuff and it's necessary for a war. And so they said, well, you know, these guys are Christians, but, you know, they got the gold and we need it. So we're going to justify this. And they basically sacked Constantinople, which nobody thought could be done because it had never happened in the history with, you know, a thousand years or whatever. And they got the gold. Yeah, good for them. And then they kind of got distracted and they never ended up in the Holy Land. They just took the gold back to Europe. <laughs> but anyways, so the Fourth Crusade was a big disaster in a lot of ways. But uh, it's a great study in human history, right? In the kind of common themes and foibles of, of humankind through the ages. And, but, you know, this had been a, a history uh, as that joining place between Asia and Europe. This had been a place of amazing culture for thousands of years. I mean, just amazing history. And so you had the Greek Orthodox, and then of course Islam rose up, you know, in the East, and eventually that expanded out, and then they took over, um, partly because of that Fourth Crusade, right? We're gonna we're gonna save Christianity and save the Holy Land from the heathens, which would be whoever else was not Catholic at the time, and. And it ended up being that they sacked Constantinople, which nobody thought was possible, but all of a sudden it happened. And so it is possible. And so, you know, a few hundred years later, these guys rose up and balanced said, well, it got sacked once, we're gonna do it again. And all of a sudden for the last thousand years, right? It's been a center of Islam and Islamic culture. And, and so you have mosques, and Greek Orthodox churches, and then the pre-Greek, you know, the pre-Catholic or pre-Christian churches, all of that history, all in one place. It's really, you know, if you're kind of a history buff, yeah, there's hardly any place like it. Yeah. Um, and it's all right there. Well, there anyway, we go. So uh, there you go. There's your there's your uh, um, brochure for going to Istanbul. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Well, awesome. If there were one or two people that you can meet right now. And this could be a specific person or a type of person. And they'd really help you take the next step towards making your living as an author, going to Istanbul, or yeah. just being as good a person as you can be and helping your family and your neighbors. Who would that person be? And how would they help you out? So one thing as a new independently published author that we realize is even if our book is really good, right? Um, and it could be my book is really good so far, my reviews are positive and right. But it's like somebody told me about having a website. If you have the best website in the world, but it's sitting out on a billboard in the middle of the Mojave Desert, it isn't gonna do much good, right? Nope. No matter how good it is. So it has to get attention. And a book is very much the same way. Your book may not be as good as you think it is, and that's quite likely probably because you love your book and you've put all that energy into it. But, uh, but if it is good, you know, and if there is stuff that's truly helpful for people, I think it will if you work at it and be diligent, you know, you can get there, but it's going to take probably a long time to kind of build that up. Um, and you got to get your first, you know, two or 3,000 
kind of people and you know like 100 or 200 reviews and then there's this positive spiral that can really take your book as far as it's going to get as long as you continue the work and the effort and the energy behind it but to help expedite that so that's kind of where i'm at right now is who would i meet so you know the person that would that would bless my book if you will give a review that would probably have the most impact would be somebody like oprah i mean she just would you know if you get up on oprah's list of these are my favorite books this month you're going to sell a lot of books you're going to get a lot of attention there's credibility or what they call social proof yep. from having that kind of a review so somebody like that would be good and i think I like Oprah because even though she's a billionaire and she lives kind of like a billionaire, you know, she has her huge ranch, hundreds of acres in Hawaii. You and I probably can't afford to do that, but she doesn't like act like a billionaire, all cocky and like I'm the center of the universe, like some other billionaires we might be aware of. Um, and so in that regard, I think a lot of just average people, which is my audience is that I'm trying to help, um, I think it would have a lot of credibility with that audience. And so I think that would be amazing. Um, even though he passed on, if I could meet and talk to Stephen R. Covey, um, and he obviously has the most popular self-help book of all time. Uh, and even posthumously, it still sells like a million copies a year or something. Does it really? Um, yeah, it's quite amazing. And yet I will talk to people and say, well, I'm, I'm kind of like, I am the preamble to the seven habits for highly effective people. I believe his book is profound. I mean, I have a copy. I have several of his other books he's written. I think he was a profoundly inspired and intelligent person. Uh, and I would love to meet him, just talk to him, um, have him give me some guidance because he wrote a book, you know, out of the blue, basically. That's not entirely true, but largely. And I could learn a lot from that. Um, but I think he'd be a fascinating person just to have a conversation with. Um, anyways, so I think those are two people that I would love to meet. Um, and then, and I was just thinking about in this, and you know, I like balance and I talk about balance a lot. Um, and I think Donald J. Trump, and for any of the hardcore Republicans out there, I'll just confess, I did not vote for Donald J. Trump. I just could not get myself to do that from what I understood of him. But you know what? He has his strengths and there are things that I can learn from him. Yeah. Just like I could from Oprah and from Stephen R. Covey. And so um, I really think we need to keep a broad perspective and not cut off avenues of light and truth and intelligence in our lives. And, and even though somebody that I, you know, kind of cringe a little bit, he's done a lot of things. He's very smart. And I know there are things I could learn from him. So that would be really fun to go from Oprah in one room and Donald J. Trump in the other room and kind of compare and contrast and learn from both of them from different angles and different perspectives. That would be priceless. And if they both endorsed my book, that would be two really different audiences. And that's good because my message is agnostic. It is not a political thing. It's not a religious thing for that matter. It is truly timeless that virtually every world religion, every major philosophy, I think would resonate with 
and have been talked about for thousands of years. And frankly, if we're still around in thousands of years, we'll still be talking about them because they're just like gravity, right? If you wanted to fly a plane, you have to understand gravity. You have to understand lift. You have to understand a little bit about thermodynamics. You have to know these things to be successful in that charge or that goal of flying. In human life, in this humankind and kind of living, happy, fulfilling, accomplished, and I love your thing, actioned, accountable, inspired, and progressing lives, right? If that's the kind of a life we want to live, we have to understand the principles that, and I hate the word drive because it's a mechanical metaphor and I'm trying to get away from that, but that guide how human beings in fact work and always have and always will. They are that kind of timeless principles. And these 10 principles that are the substance underneath or the foundations underneath our own human motivation, which is at the core of every one of these change models I studied that we talked about a few minutes ago. Um, and so, you know, it's really that foundation. And what I find people do is we get out on the internet and we find a great book and it says, here's all these tips, tricks, and hints and techniques and all this good stuff, this knowledge, right? But it's all about, if we think of a tree as roots down here, and then you got a trunk, and then you, above you have all the fruit. We all want the fruit because <laughs> the tree without fruit, I mean, what's the point? And so most of these tips and techniques and all that stuff, and there's nothing wrong with this, right? I'm not saying those are bad, but they're almost all pointed at how do I have more fruit? And we try to build all this fruit up here, but we're out of balance because our trunk is weak. Yep. And it won't sustain all of that. And the roots are weak. And so they're not going to feed through that robust, strong trunk to feed all that. And so what we do is we get ahead of ourselves and we stumble and we fail, especially if there's any kind of problem or trouble or failure or, or whatever it is, right? And we talk about things like resilience and perseverance and overcoming and sticking with it and all that jazz. It's all about us as human beings, ignoring how human beings actually work and failing to build the roots and the trunk so that then the fruit, as we apply tips and tricks and techniques and other things, which are all, again, useful and valuable, but in balance so that they are built and grow together. And then we sustain. And when there's a drought or when we have a failure or when there's you know a late spring, and which means maybe we get fired or maybe we're having a relationship trouble or whatever it is that's going on in our lives. When we've got the strong roots and the strong trunk, we've built these cores, these foundations, then we may not produce as much, but we won't have a catastrophic failure, right? We'll focus up here having that strength and that core and that foundation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. Sounds good, man. Well, thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing um, the three people who would really help you out. Our next question is revolving around, we're going to skip a couple now. That's and good. Cause I, and I, I said I was going to set my timer and I failed to press the start button. So you're good. Please keep me on track. Yep. Yep. We're just skipping a couple questions and we're going to get to one that I really like. And it's what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet Oprah or Donald Trump? 
you know what I think? I think continuing to be on fun, interesting, helpful podcasts like this one. Because the more that I'm out doing this kind of work, and I hate to call it work because I do enjoy it, um, but you know, then I'm going to be exposed to more people. And I think your podcast, you talk about, we get out there and we make these connections. And we're getting back out and we're actually meeting people again. Thank you very much. Um, and that's a good thing too. And I think there are going to be more and more of these opportunities um, to just be out there, be available, and hopefully have a message that resonates with people and that they see as, yeah, that could be helpful in my life, right? And then they get some benefit and there's some good things that happen. And that's what we all want. We want to get some catalyst and be a catalyst for these good things. There we go. And now we got our last question. And it kind of goes back to change models, which we talked about about 30, 35 minutes ago. So you know how there are people on the planet who have that really fixed mindset? They're not willing to accept help. They're not willing to accept change. Sometimes they'll live their whole life like that. Sometimes they'll die like that, unfortunately. Other times they'll make that switch to that growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that switch? Well, very often it is some type of trauma in your life, right? Something that kind of cuts to that core of who you are. And that's tragic, <laughs> candidly. Um, I think that's very tragic, but I think very often, you know, we have or we experience one of these catastrophic failures that I've noted. And we call it in the you know, human condition, we call these traumas. I got divorced or a broken relationship, you know, that was very meaningful to you of whatever length. Um, you got fired. Uh, your company had a, you know, you're in an industry making VCRs <laughs> and they didn't keep up. And now you're wondering, what do I do? You know, I have a skill set and nobody cares anymore. Um, you know, there's these kinds of traumas in our lives. Um, and, or we have an accident or we get ill or, you know, there's lots of them. And so they cut to the core though, and they kind of force us to ask, you know, what is important in my life? You know, what, what do I want to be and how do I, what am I going to have to, and I, and I think this distinction is critical. Some people ask, what do I have to do to get through this? And that's useful, right? That's still useful. That's still functional, but it's not the best question. I would suggest to you and to our audience is that what do I have to become to overcome this is the better question because that will get you at looking at you and your core, your roots and your trunk. What do I have to become so that if I'm, so I can avoid this in the future, but if something does happen to me that I don't expect and don't want, that I've got this core strength built that I can weather it better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's one of the things on my journey to success that I'm discovering. I've been learning a lot about success and what keeps coming up is like, you know, some of the things that are at your root. Like when you are unhappy, unsuccessful, you're not necessarily going to be happy with money. Like you're going to be unhappy with money. And a lot of that is like, at your roots, you have certain thoughts, you have certain habits, you have certain patterns of behavior that A, are stopping you from being successful, but B, stopping you from being 
just living a happy and fulfilled life. Like if you're addicted to trauma, if you're addicted to drama, if you're addicted to grief, if you're addicted to negativity, all these things are popping up. And I think those are some of the roots that you're getting out of. Like you really have to address those issues before you address the, okay, well, what do I need to do? Well, yeah, I need to produce more leads for my business. Well, <laughs> it's hard to produce more leads for your business if you have a crappy offer. And if you have yeah. a crappy offer or a crappy business where you're doing things immorally, you can't really move forward. Right. Like or you can for a while. But what life tells us is that inevitably it will catch up to us. Exactly. And it may be when we're old and some chronic illness comes in that we can't explain. But that's how we're dealing with that. What they call that is there's this like a cognitive dissonance. Right. And, and I'll say at the core of most of that is that you have core values that you have never identified and made explicit. And that's the first chapter in my book is talks about how do you make those five core values explicit. And what this allows you to do is avoid a lot of the mistakes you would make as you build whatever it is you're doing, whatever you're becoming, it avoids a lot of mistakes. So that you never get to that point that 10 or 15 or 40 years from now, you've you know, maybe built an addiction to this kind of success that's contrary to who you are as a human being. And you're going to pay the price. It's just inevitable. It is impossible to not. And it, how that comes is in different ways. But anyways, but by making your values explicit, you build, it's like the root ball of a healthy tree. It really, really, it, it, it leads you to well-being, meaning in life, focus, clarity of thought, and avoiding of regret. Yep. So how could we as a person, as a human being, not be better and stronger if we have a clear sense of what's important to us and what that looks like in our lives and why our lives are in fact better off by living those five core values? And then, you know, the rest of it builds from there. That's really the foundation for every person. If I could recommend that we do one thing, it would be buy my book, go through the first chapter, you know, beyond buying the book, it's absolutely free to do. Um, and if you just don't have the money to buy my book, right, it's $7 for the ebook on Amazon right now, or 15, I think for the paperback. And if you just can't swing that, go to my website, when you sign up for my newsletter, which is compelling, uh, I say that with a little tongue in cheek, but anyways, um, I hope it's compelling. I hope it's useful. But um, if you do that, and I don't spam anybody, um, you will get a white paper or a report that I wrote, which gives you pretty much everything that's in the first chapter of my book, and it's absolutely free. And it will still walk you through the process. You can download a form for free again off of my website. And in about two hours of your own time to invest in your own becoming the best person you want to be that you can dream about being, right? Well, it will walk you through the process of building your top five core values. And I promise you, based on thousands of years of history and wisdom, and a ton of the last 20, 30 years of scientific validated research, that you will have more meaning in your life, more well-being, more focus, less regret, and as a result, 
the beginnings of that intrinsic motivation that drives all the good things that happen in our lives across all domains of our lives. That's a pretty bold promise, but it's not me. It's just the science that tells us this is what will happen. But we have to be explicit. So you have to go through this kind of a process. And it takes, I know, I mean, Tim, how old are you? Do you mind telling us? 22. You're 22. So you have, what, 80 years left to live if you take care of yourself, right? Absolutely. So if you invest two hours in your life over the next couple of weeks or three weeks, I'll give you three weeks to make your own core values explicit with all those benefits. Is that worth for the next 80 years of benefits, spending two hours now at 22 years old? 100% is worth it. It's a, you know, many thousands of percents worth it, isn't it? Yeah. Now I'm 62. That's so funny. We're exactly 40 years apart. Here's my promise. If you're 62 or 82, I don't care. You will, it's still worth two hours of your time. It's a very small price to pay um, to have these kinds of benefits. And then it allows you to build on the other, the other things. Do we have one minute? How much time do we have left? Please. Eight minutes. Can I share something with you? Go for it. I don't know if you like this, but, and you know, this is my fancy visual aid. So this is when you're a low budget, you know, author who's only selling a few books a day, you know, this is what you get to do. But anyways, I took, I liked your theme, action, accountability, inspiration, and progress. As I think about, and if you'll give me this latitude, then I'll show this to you. I think progress and accountability are kind of, you know, really close cousins. 100%. Okay. So I kind of broken down to action, accountability, slash progress, and inspiration. And I took the 10 principles from my book, and this is how it laid out. I don't know. Can you see that at all? Oh, yeah. So you got action, accountability, and then inspiration. And you'll notice under this column, principles, you know, I can't even read this stuff up behind, one, seven, eight, and nine. Yep. Values, beliefs, self-kind, and what is that? Com common humanity. Common humanity. So self-kindness and common humanity. This visual aid, I literally wrote 15 minutes ago, but I was thinking about the podcast and I was looking at your site and I'm thinking, wait a minute, this fits. And then this one is your accountability and progress. And yep. I don't know if you can read those. Awareness, learning, intent, and plan. There you go. And then over here on action. Doing and mindless. Mindless. Isn't mindless a fun one? Yeah, I was um, confused. <laughs> I'm yeah. interested. And so I, I, I honestly, I watched a Dr. Phil interview and he said, yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day and I talked about mindfulness and he said, and they went, woo, 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 that's crazy talk. And so there's a lot of the population. If we talk about some people maybe who aren't open, right? They're not as curious. Um, and they'll hear a word like mindfulness and they think, oh, candles, yoga pants, I got to start eating yogurt. You know, I'm not into that. That's not me, right? And so I titled the chapter Mindlessness only because you cannot possibly, maybe you can, but most people will be at least a little curious. What in the world is he talking about mindless, especially after common humanity and self-kindness? And so this chapter basically is asked this question, right? I think in the first paragraph or two, I say, 
if you've got a mind, if you've got a mind and I've got a mind, if you have a mind and I have a mind, and this chapter talks about being mindless, could it possibly mean that we don't have a mind? Yeah, you lost me. If we talk about being mindless, it cannot possibly be that I don't have a mind or that you don't have a mind, right? Not because we do have minds. We do have minds. We know that. That is a given. And so if we're talking about being mindless, it can't be the fact that there's physically one there or not. It has to be a question about how we use our mind. Mm. And that's what the chapter about being mindless or not being mindless is really about. I'm trying to approach it from a different angle where people go, oh yeah, I got a mind, so I guess I'd better learn how to use it. And that's really what mindfulness is about, is taking our minds and using it to our best advantage to accomplish our goals, to live our dreams in the best way that we can. And we can't do it without it. So let's learn some simple ways Yoga pants can be worn, but they are not required. You don't have to eat granola and you do not have to light candles, but you can if you want. It makes no difference. Yep. It's simply about using our minds in a little better, a little smarter way. And again, in ways that are both timeless and backed up and proven by tons of you know current research. There we go. There we and go. so I'd love this. So again, what most of us spend our time on is here, the action side. And clearly, right, dreams without action are dreams. They're, they're not going to happen. And you got to have action. But what I'm suggesting here is that between the inspiration and the accountability is there's balance. And if we focus on these principles that are in this balanced way, what it does is it both builds our core and it creates this sustainable, self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, that accomplishes our dreams as a natural course of who we have become. Yeah. Which as a bonus is resilient and perseveres, overcomes, is creative, open, flexible, and all these positive things, you know, that we all know that we need to do. And so it's, and it's really very simple. And if somebody can engage with these concepts at that level, at a very simple level, one or two things that I can apply to my life now, whatever my circumstances are, whatever my education is, whatever my income is, whatever my family history is, whatever my race, whatever my beliefs or religion or you know, belief systems are, it applies across all of those. And in that way, I think it's just powerful and beautiful. And then at some point in the future, once we've built these foundations in balance as a whole person with all these domains of my life evolving slowly, but naturally, we will find that we're just accomplishing our dreams because it's set up to produce it, right? Um, it's just like a cherry tree will in fact if you put some water on it and some sunshine, I promise you, it will create some cherries. It's just what it does. And that's what we want to do is create that life that fulfills these dreams, this vision that we have, if you will, um, naturally and normally. And then you don't need as many hacks and tips and tricks. And you don't have to spend as much time on that stuff and frankly, as much money. Just draw 
on occasion, the things that you need to go to the next level, to take it to the next level. But don't build that without having those foundations in place. It is a recipe for disaster, for failure, for discouragement, for disappointment. And it doesn't matter if it's in a relationship or in business or in your hobby or in work or your workout plan or your whatever. Again, your schooling, whatever domain it is, it applies across all of them equally. So as you build these foundations, you've got more capacity than to have a more balanced and well-rounded all of you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love it. Well, David, is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off? Boy, we've talked, we've covered a lot of, covered a lot of ground. So I will be quiet. I thank you. And I thank everybody who's listening. Your life is important. I don't care who you are, what your circumstances are. Your life is important. And you are worth putting this little bit of effort into it. There we go. Well, awesome, David. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Timmy. It's been a pleasure. Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what David had to say, you are interested in the 10 things that we talked about today, make sure to pick up his book and pick up a copy for a friend as well. And as we always ask, shoot this podcast to one to three people, you know, need to hear this message. Give us a five-star review on iTunes, the ways to contact David will be in the show notes and we're out guys thanks for listening make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them if you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals make sure to check out the website workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media that's all i got have a blessed day